welcome to the DMF. I am your host, Justin Yachts. This is episode 84, and I'm going to talk about Taylor Swift's new album. I'm going to talk about the film Limitless, and I'm also going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode 5, and I'm going to talk a little politics, and we'll end with a quote. So stay tuned. So let's talk about Taylor Swift's new re-release. I enjoy this. I'm really enjoying it. I wasn't quite sure if I was going to enjoy going back to an album that I haven't heard in a, in a while, but what she has done with it, and she has almost made it almost identical to the previous album. So it sounds almost exactly the same. There are only a little bit of differences, and that's in the tone of her voice. Her voice is deeper now. It's more mature. When she did this, she was like, what, 15, 16, 18 maybe? Now she's a woman, and her voice has really matured, and you can hear that um, when she laughs. Um, songs like The Best Day, that sound a lot different. They, they have a lot more you know, vocal resonance. Um, I've always liked Best Day. That's one of my favorite songs of Taylor Swift. And hearing it now, it, it, sounds, it sounds deeper. Uh, hey Steven, that's one of my favorites. Um, that sounds good. I mean, the only song that I don't really particularly care that much about is Jump Then Fall. Every other song is I can just listen to straight through. And I still listen to Jump Then Fall, but I would say if I had to pick a least favorite, it would be that. Except that's a good song as well. So it's really almost a perfect album in some ways to me of what she was doing with the country pop uh, mix. Um, you could see the little sprinklings of her getting into pop, especially with the You Belong With Me. That song really, you know, I look at that song in Love Story as her like the beginnings of her going into pop music. Now, I love the country sound, and I I mean, Taylor Swift to me, I mean, she just, every album is just always sublime. It's great. Um, another song that we've got on uh, Fearless, Taylor's version, is we've got the, um, we have the version um, of Today Was a Fairy Tale. And that one, I recognize the difference right away. Because it doesn't have this girlish sound to it. It has a woman's sound to it. And I really... I, I like the two different versions. I mean, most people are not going to notice any difference between the two. But if you've listened to Taylor Swift as much as I have, you will hear the difference between the two. You'll hear, you know, the, the vocal... The tone, as I said, it's, it's deeper. But it's amazing. She almost made this identical. I, I've got to believe she also did that by design. She wanted this to be a little different so that it represents her growth. So you can look at the Taylor Swift of before and now you can look at the Taylor Swift of today. And, you know, you, you have these great songs and here she is singing them as a woman and it's just as good. It's just as powerful. And it, you know, all the chords are the same. There's nothing there really out of place that wasn't designed to be out of place, other than her voice has changed a little bit. 
um, the laugh in um, Hey Stephen. I mean, certain things like that. Uh, best day, as I said. I don't want to repeat myself, but I find myself repeating myself here. Um, and then she added new songs uh, that I, I don't know if she created these songs specifically for the album or if that they were always if they were always there, you know, if she, you know, always had these songs and they just kind of sat on the back burner. I mean, you look at a song like um, I've always liked 15. I mean, some of these lesser known songs I've always loved, like Breathe, um, White Horse. White Horse was one of the, those songs that I heard of Taylor Swift that like really made me a fan. I was like, wow, she's not just this pop star. She's really communicating something. And that's the that's the real power of Taylor Swift is how well she can communicate um, these ideas that seem like she's talking to you and it, you feel like the song's about you. And you know you you just don't see that come all the time um today was a fairy tale though um i i love the new thing um mr perfectly fine is great um that's when is becoming a big a big hit you all over me um uh, probably my favorite of the the new songs the bonus songs as i'd like to call them is mr perfectly fine i really enjoy that song so i've got to say this is um this is just awesome. I, I love that she went back and did this. Give me more Taylor Swift. I can't wait for when she goes and does Speak Now. I hope that's next. And then Red and just continues to add this new stuff and gives us like new songs to add on to the album. Um, I can't get enough of it. Um, but this is this and Speak Now are the are the albums that really like made me go, wow, this is a bonafide star and I really kind of discovered her in 2010 I mean most of the world found her in 2008 but 2010 is really uh, like I think November of 2010 is when I started to to really um like Taylor Swift and I've already told that story about how I came to find it but this is just wow wow so good and the great news is now she owns all these songs you know she doesn't have to deal with um some producer, you know, telling her what she's worth. <laughs> That's a reference to one of her songs in uh, folklore. Um, but yeah, this is this is great. I'm 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 thrilled with this, and it just all all the songs just have the power that she's always had with it, and it just enhances it. And now you got both versions, but. In some ways, I kind of think the Taylor's version is better now. I mean, it, it's almost like she's um, she's up the ante and made this uh, a better a better album than it already was. And I can't wait to see what she does with Speak Now. Um, but that's all I've got to say, really, about uh, Taylor's thing. It's just an amazing, amazing album. I might talk a little bit more about it next week. I'm not sure, but um, I'm really enjoying it. So if I can recommend, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, go and go and go and experience Taylor Swift's Fearless, because it's just an amazing album, and it's only enhanced by what she has done with it. So with that, when we come back, I'm going to talk about Limitless. <laughs> 
Okay, let's talk about Limitless. Um, this is directed by Neil Berger. The actors in it are Bradley Cooper, Abby Cornish, Robert De Niro, Andrew Howard, Anna Friel, and the music is done by Paul Leonard Morgan. I've got to say, when this came out, in, uh, when I saw the trailers for this for like, I think it came out in 2011, yeah, it did, 2011, I thought it was a mediocre Hollywood film about, you know, oh, what would happen if this and that. Now, I actually fell into this. I was watching it on Showtime, and I've got to be honest with you, I thought it was really good. It was really well-directed, and it made a, a, a point, and it, it touched on a darker side of people and the idea and it and it's really about you know the drug the idea of um of of how we how we view drugs in in reality is we, we think of drugs and we're like oh yeah i'm gonna keep doing this and, that, and then i'll get off it that never happens usually you you get on something and you just you stay on it very few people wean themselves off of drugs. Like people that say they're going to do steroids. I'll just do steroids for a little bit and then I'll keep my gains and go. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. If you make that deal and you keep doing it, you have to keep doing it. It doesn't stop. You have to continue. You can't just you know, pretend like it didn't happen because everything that you've gotten was from a drug. So once the drug is out of your system, it doesn't just stay there anymore. It, it doesn't, you know, you don't retain that. And this is kind of what, what happens with this guy. This, this movie's all about a guy who find, you know, he's down on his love. He's got nothing going on. And his uh, brother-in-law gives him a, a pill. And he's like, ah, I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it. And then he takes it and he ends up sleeping with his landlord. And his whole life changes because he realizes that he doesn't have to waste time anymore because now... This drug allows you to use every bit of your brain so he can perceive everything from time to reading things to learning different languages to just doing anything that he wants because there's nothing like standing in the way. And I know a lot of people are like, wouldn't that be amazing? Like, Well, you could actually do that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about ways you could do that because there is ways to do that and you don't need a drug to do it. But this is all about that drug and how this drug just makes him feel great. And the way the director films it, he's got him like all film these dark, shadowy things. And then once he's on the drug, everything lightens up. It's like the whole world is light, is lit. And he just is like, just goes to town. You kind of, the first time we see him take the drug, you know, we like fall back with the camera. And it's like he's almost perceiving everything that's happening. And he can remember things that, that he only saw a glimpse of. It's like he could have watched a TV show just casually and he remembers every single thing that happened in that TV show. So it's a really cool concept and the director really goes into that idea of like he's got to keep getting more and more and more of this. And then he's got friends who are like, okay, you've got to get off this. It's like, oh, just give me a little bit more time. I'll get off of it. I'll get off of it. I, I promise. Let me just do a little bit more. And and the acting in it is this this is Bradley Cooper is great in this. I, I I was shocked. I I thought this was gonna be like the Hangover guy. But the way it was presented in commercials was like it's the Hangover guy with this. And and, and here it's so much more. It's a, it's a deep film and it has a lot of structure and dimension to it. Abby Cornish is in it. She adds. She's kind of the heart of it in some ways. Robert De Niro. He plays this shrewd like businessman who's really just out to you know. Get him for what he what he needs, you know. It 
I, I was really impressed with what this film was able to do. And um, the music, Paul Leonard um, Morgan, wow. He really knows how to be... I came into first um, knowing of Paul um, Leonard Morgan from his work on Dread, which is one of my favorite soundtracks, because the way he just... Uh, he's got everything on this, like, silent feel to it, and then it just kind of has this this melodic quality to it. I, I've never seen that in a, um, in a composer. He has this interesting sound that almost sounds like pop music, 80s synthesizer in some ways, um, but it's almost like um, classical. And the, the way he's got these meld, these two elements together is really, is really unique. And this is no different, you know, when he, he just, I really like the score. I was really impressed. I, I'm going to listen to the score probably in my daily life because I, I was really impressed with it. Um, I'm going to go into spoilers now. So you have been warned. So five seconds. Okay, so here we go. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when he is, uh, you know, he's trying to, he's about to kill himself. And he can hear them like coming in his door and he's built like this fortress that they can't get through. So they've got a saw that they're like sawing through to get into his, you know, apartment. That's like this million dollar home. I think they said eight million was the was the number he paid to get in. And, you know, so they're having a really go to town to get in through his security system. And he's trying to think where he can find another drug. Where can he find, you know, another one? And he kind of finds it right at the, the last minute. But they get in there and they take it from him and they kind of put it in there and he ends up killing the guy and then he has to, he knows that it's in his blood. So he takes his tongue and, you know, gets the drug through drinking his blood. It's it's kind of comedic in some ways and horrific, but the way he does it. And, and the ending is, I thought they were going to kind of end on this high note and the high, it's not really a high note, it's more of... Okay, he bought all the suppliers and everything, and he has his, and you know, they can shut down all the supplies, but he's got his own supply and he knows how to make this. And, you know, he's now about to become mayor or, you know, governor. I think it's senator. Senator is what they said. And he, you know, so he's, he ended up well with this, you know, on, on the upside, but. You know, there's a danger to it. I wonder if there was a darker ending to this that they didn't, um, that they didn't explore, because I feel like that became it became a studio ending at the end. But I I like the movie. I was impressed, and I recommend it. So when I come back, I'm gonna talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 5. Now, I'm going to get into spoilers, but before that, I'll give you my recommendation. Yes, watch it. It's really good. It really, you know, this is an excellent, excellent series that just continues to build upon what it's been doing. So it's just, it's been great. Um, so now I'm going to get into spoilers. So five seconds. Okay, here we go. So I thought this episode was really good. It really, um, they continue to build toward things. And, you know, we, we see the stuff with Carly where she is, you know, becoming more unstable. 
And we see that, you know, at the end of this episode, we see that Baltrock, um, the character that uh, George GSP plays, is now helping her. And they have uh, captured um, a lot of the world leaders and we're wondering, like, what's going to happen? And the episode ends with um, Falcon opening the suitcase and we don't know what it is. I assume it's got to be wings. I, I don't know, but, you know... You know what? What else could it be? Um, this episode was really interesting because it it brings. Um, we see how Walker is now disgraced, uh, you know, war hero, and he's coming back, and he's kind of a failure. I mean, the episode ends with with them getting the shield off of Walker, and Walker doesn't want to get it on. They have to like almost dislocate his arm to get it off him. And this is the first time we see Falcon holding the shield, and he's kind of almost accepting it. And then, you know, he goes back and he's disgraced. And we see Julie Louis-Dreyfus' character. Um, I can't remember her name, who Julie Louis-Dreyfus plays in this. But um, uh, let's see. Let's see what... Uh, that's got to come up. Yeah. So Julie Louis-Dreyfus plays Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. A fan favorite who becomes, um, she becomes Madame Hydra in the comics. So she's bad in some ways. And uh, also in this episode, we see um, Daniel, we see Zemo. He gets captured and uh, he's been handed off to Wakanda. Um, we see Sam going back to, you know, helping out his family and stuff. And we see uh, Bucky helping him out and stuff. And, you know, he they're building the boat, and he's like, we need to sell it. And his sister's like, I can't sell this. And they won't sell it. So he's... And then we have the great scene. Uh, he goes back to talk to, you know, one of the black super soldiers, you know, who's really important. He says the line, he says, they'll never let um, a black man be Captain America, which is an interesting thing that they're, they're bringing up. And all these... Um, Things that Sam has to go through to deal with. Um, at the end of the episode, we see him really embrace the shield, and he's like training to deal with it, to you know use it. And he's gonna, you know, I, you know, I believe he's gonna become Captain America. We don't, we don't know, but you know, he is he's taking up the shield. And he accepts it. Um, at the end of the episode, we see that Walker is building his own shield. Because he still sees himself as Captain America. He believes it's his, you know, it's his right to be that character. Um, Allegra kind of, you know, tells him that, you know, it's not really... She's kind of leading him in the way that she wants to lead him. So a lot of things were put on the table here of where they're, where they're going. Um, it's really building towards something. I mean, you know, it, how are Sam and... Um, and Bucky gonna, you know, rescue the world leaders. So, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. Just great storytelling all around. Um, you can't go wrong. Um, some people feel like the uh, most of this doesn't doesn't feel as big as the um, as the MCU films, which I think that's by design. These are supposed to set. Um, they're not kind of going the Mandalorian route of like, let's do fan service, fan service, fan service. They're really bringing it in different directions and not, you know, 
look, here's the new super bad guy that they're going to face. You know, they're kind of just showing these new stories and those are going to feed into the movies, which is an interesting way to look at it. Um, so I got no complaints. I, I really like this episode. It's more of a building on episode, but it, you know, we, we get Sam with the shield now. And, you know, what's in that case? We'll find out what's in the box <laughs> for you seven fans out there. So that's what I got to say. And when I come back, I will talk about politics. So let's talk a little bit about politics. Um, I've kind of been trying to avoid it because I just feel like it's been driving me nuts. I, you know, sometimes you will watch political news and it just puts you in a bad mood. You're just like, why can't we be better than this? And it just never seems to get better. Um, I talked about last week the Afghanistan war ending and 9-11. looks like, yeah, the war is ending, but we're still going to leave troops there. So it's not really an end to it, but it's going to be very few. So I, I guess that's a win in some ways, but, you know, it's not what people wanted. They're not giving us the um, the real moving out of the wars, and it's uh, it's kind of frustrating. Uh, Joe Manchin, you know, they, he wants a 25% corporate tax, which, you know, it looks like, you know, the Democrats are going to give in to that. Politico is trying to destroy Andrew Yang's career, and it's not working, so that's a good thing. Andrew Yang, I, I, I want to see what he can do, and he looks like he is in the running to be the mayor. I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop him. And they are trying desperately. They don't want somebody in there with universal basic income. They don't want anybody that's going to help poor people and help people that, you know, might need a leg up. We can't do that. They want to continue, you know, just saying we can and not do anything. And, you know, I see Yang as the future. He's where the country needs to go. He's thinking of different ideas, and he wants to bring the world to a different place. I suppose what we always do is like, let's keep doing the same thing. So I'm all in favor of uh, Andrew Yang. I think, let's see what he's got. Let's see what he can do. Um, and uh, Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi mocked AOC. So that's really nice. It's just kind of, uh, I, I don't know. It's like they can't get along. They just want to continue to, and AOC just wants to fall in line. You know, I, AOC has to realize they're not going to be her friend. They're not going to be your friend. You can't be the revolutionary and expect these people to be your friend. They're not going to be your friend. You, you're going to have to just wear that badge. And I don't know if she wants to do that. So I don't know if she's the person to, to lead uh, the left movement that Bernie Sanders started. I think uh, Nina Turner is that person because she does not care what the media thinks of her and that's kind of what you have to be if you want to be a real revolutionary. You can't really care what the public thinks so much as what you know is right. They're going to hate you at first, but then maybe they'll come to respect you once they see that you've done something right. Um, the J&J &J vaccine was paused. <laughs> it's kind of frustrating because that's the one I got. But I, I think I'm okay. I, I don't think I have to get a, another one, but it seems like they've, they've paused it because some people have had, you know, bad effects to it. 
I think if you are fine, you don't really, you don't really have any problems with it, and you should be okay. But I don't know. It's so weird in this country. It's like one, two people, you know, complain, and then it just becomes a, a big thing. But I don't know. Maybe more. I haven't really looked in as much to it as I probably should have. But I don't know. It's kind of. Uh, you know, concerning to me that we don't have that the J and J vaccine is now being put on pause, but I don't know, who knows? There may be uh, other things in the works. So that's what happens. Um it looks like, you know, Joe Biden's approval rating is is really good. That's nice. Um and a lot of people are approving of uh, what he's doing. Um we keep just, it seems like we keep having shootings left and right, and I just don't hear one place wants to ban it and one place wants to do nothing. And it's like we have to meet in the middle, and I've talked about this before, but we need to come to middle to come with some idea of how to do this because if we don't try nothing, if we don't try anything, then it's, you know, then, you know, where, where does this go? We just continue to do these things. Um, Next week, we should have the Derek Chauvin um, uh, verdict, which I'm interested to see where that goes. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't look good for that guy. That's what I got to say. It doesn't really look good. So that's about all that I really could stomach of politics this week. <laughs> um, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't seem like... Things are going in the right direction ever, but you know what? Have faith. Be positive. Now let's look at, um, I'm going to end with a quote here. Let's end on a positive note. My biggest motivation just to keep challenging myself. I see life almost like one long university education that I never had. Every day I'm learning something new. Now, that is from Richard Branson, the founder of Virgin Group. Now, a lot of people don't like billionaires and stuff. He's, I think, one of the good ones. He's one of the people that you can meet and, you know, uh, he doesn't come off as this soul-sucking person. He comes off as a person who really cares about people and wants to do the best possible. I mean, remember, he's the one that um, coined the phrase, you know. I didn't really coin the phrases. It's not, but I read about it in a book that he, one of the books that he wrote, or it was an interview, and he said that you know, a corporation is a group of people. At the end of the day, and he's right. At the end of the day, a corporation is a group of people. It's not this machine that we are told to believe. It's people. It's a group of people. At the end of the day, it all goes back to people. It's not anything different. So I think this is a good quote to end with. My biggest motivation, just to keep challenging myself. We can all learn from that. I see life almost like one long university education that I never had. Every day I'm learning something new. And I think we can all take something great from that because, you know, it's always best to continue to learn something new. If we can continue to learn new things, we can continue to progress. So that's what I leave you with. I want to say thank you for listening. As always, you can find me at Justin Yance. And I will see you next time on the DMF.